Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Hello, welcome to Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller, Ryan McDowell. Ryan, how's it going? Going well, going well. Glad to get back on here with you guys. It's It's been a little bit. You had reset a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm I'm glad to be back on and, and chatting with you guys. Always fun for sure. Oh yeah. So jumping right into it, there was a fantasy football expo a few a uh, few weeks ago. How was that for mm. you? Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was the uh, let's see. I guess it was the second expo. Of course, we we missed one year because of, because of COVID. Of course, so uh, this was the second one. I, I've gotten the chance to go to to both expos. Uh, both up in Canton, Ohio, same location as the Hall of Fame, and and put on by uh, by Bob Lung, a great uh, great member of the the fantasy football community. And um, yeah, it, it's it was such. Uh, really such an upgrade. I mean, you could tell Bob is, and, and his crew has been putting in the work over the past two years since, since the first expo. Um, the first one was, was great as well, but this, this time just the, the attendance, the enthusiasm was, you know, tenfold compared to the original. So it was great to, to meet so many people, uh, both other, um, other content producers other other writers and podcasters in the industry and, and and as well as just just players just you know i don't want to say fans but just just players that came to the uh to the expo as well and um uh, just so many people and uh some fun events set up throughout the weekend so yeah it was it was a blast so who's your fanboy the most after uh let's see that that's a good question um, probably, you know, I'd been, I'd been fortunate enough to meet a lot of people, uh, that were there. I had met Scott fish before, uh, but Scott, um, Scott was definitely the, uh, you know, one of, one of the stars of the show that, that weekend, a lot of people wanted to meet Scott and, uh, thank him for, for his work in the Scott fishbowl and, and in the fantasy industry, uh, in general, um, Let's see. I'd met Rich Rebar before. I know you guys have had have had Rich on the show a couple times as well. Um, but it was it was fun to hang out with him a little bit. Uh, one person I had not met and got the chance to meet and, and spend some time with was uh, Matthew Friedman uh, from FTN. So Matthew was I think made a made a, a last minute decision to to come to the expo. So that that was a surprise to me. I didn't didn't realize he was planning on being there. It was. Very cool to meet him. He's definitely someone that I'm a fan of. Love to uh, read anything that he writes, listen to any podcast that he's on. Uh, just such a smart guy and, and and a fun guy to hang out with. Almost had the chance to eat Waffle House with Matt Friedman as well, uh, but we we couldn't find one open, unfortunately. So uh, miss, missed out on that opportunity, which would have been uh, great after his, uh, his venture a few weeks ago of spending – you know what? I think fifteen hours in a Waffle House. So Reese, he had a challenge where he he had to stay twenty four hours in a Waffle House, but for every waffle he ate, he got to deduct an hour. So 
Reese says nothing because it's his metabolism. Twenty four waffles, like all right, I'm done. Let's go have dessert. Yeah. Reese Reese eats twenty three and and walks out the door in, exactly. in a few minutes. Yeah, Dalsam and Surf, so they go down these two. Oh. oh man, my my arteries are clogging listening to you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Friedman said he ate nine, I believe. So I think he ended up saying fifteen hours. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I how many I would eat. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm gonna try to find out either. Oh no, you win one, you set one record, you're gonna set another one too. <laughs> you know, that's just one of those things. Yeah. He does have his privileges. Yes, it does. You know, I did, uh, uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Reese. I did meet um, uh, another young uh, member of the fantasy community there, um, Hutchinson uh, Brown, I believe. And uh, I know Hutchinson has his own podcast like you do and uh, is kind of growing his place in the fantasy industry. So it was cool to meet him. And, uh, and it made me think of you, Reese, because uh, you know, we, we know each other a little bit. We've got to spend some time together over the years. And um, I, I know a lot of people thought it was certainly cool what Hutchinson is doing. I do as well. Um, but, you know, you, you've got a couple books under under your belt now. You've got this podcast going with some with some good guests plus me. So it's uh, uh, it's it, it's very cool to to see uh, you and Hutchinson and, and so many other young people uh, ready to to kind of take the uh take the wheel here so i would love to take him that's if mama bear will allow him to miss school that's the big kicker in our household yeah that's like no big deal but (laughs) mama bear mama bear doesn't feel the same way but well when when was the expo this year it was two weeks ago two weekends ago yeah i think i think for you guys it was before school started that was uh that was actually the week we started school so uh i missed uh I missed the third day of school to to go to uh, to the expo, so we'll you know a little bit easier to we'll look to do it. that as a teacher. But uh, yeah, it's still still a tough decision in some ways. Yeah, and it's a big travel for us. He and I can you imagine me getting in a car with sixteen year old driving across uh, <laughs> thousand eight eight hundred nine hundred miles each way. Oh man, I don't know if I could sleep in the car. No offense, son. <laughs> I don't know if I could sleep in the car and he's a good driver. I'm just saying those road trips are a lot more grueling as a driver than you as a new driver understand. It'd be pretty hard for me to uh, drive on the highway for one of the first times going, you know, 14 hours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So who's, yeah, you should, you should definitely try to make it next year though, because it was, it was, it was a blast. We'll try. Who was the most memorable person from the uh, expo? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, I guess, I guess I would have to go back to, to Scott, uh, Scott fish. Um, so Scott actually, uh, flew down to, uh, to my area to Louisville and we rode up together to the expo. So that's about a, a four or five hour ride from, from here. And, was uh, originally planning on doing that my uh, on my own. That's what I did a, a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's always better to have, have a co-pilot with you, especially when they uh, share so many interests and, and things like that. So, um, like I said, I had gotten to meet Scott uh, and hang out with him for, you know, just for a few hours, really, uh, last year. 
but to spend really to spend the whole weekend with them and to uh, to have have that that drive time, that road road trip time to share so many stories, both fantasy football and, and just life experiences. Uh, it, it was it, that was a, a great experience for me. That's awesome. So transitioning to more and I don't want to say NFL base, but the pro game who has stood out to you the past couple of weeks of preseason. I mean, I think we have to start with with the rookies, right? It's always exciting to see these rookies uh, finally on the field. I think the, you know, I feel like the season is is changing though, uh, just the way coaches view it in general. And and that was kind of starting before COVID. Obviously, last year we got no preseason action at all. Um, and I think I think so many organizations, groups in general, are, are kind of using COVID as a as an excuse almost to make changes that maybe they were considering anyway, I think that's definitely happening, happening with, uh, with NFL teams and, and coaching staffs that um, it, it had just become kind of what teams did that weeks two and three of the preseason. That's when we saw the starters, uh, maybe week three, they played almost the entire game, that dress rehearsal week. And then week four was, was basically a bunch of players that were going to get cut the next day that we didn't, hadn't heard of. And now there's just this shift that so many, uh, so many players that we're drafting in, in the first few rounds are not going to play any preseason at all. You know, whether that's due to injury concerns or if, if they're just saving them for the regular season, which, which I can understand, you know, we've got a shorter preseason, we've got a longer regular season. So um, in that aspect, aspect, I think it's a little more difficult for fantasy players to pull really pertinent info from preseason games so you know still pay attention to usage it's it's interesting what's happening in Miami you know we thought that was Miles Gaskin for sure maybe that's not the case Um, and and again I I know we're going to talk about the rookies a little bit more but that's always kind of the story of the the preseason getting getting to see those guys in action for the first time and to your point even like the Rams quarterbacks not only is Stafford not playing the preseason, neither is his backup Wolford, because they're like, "Hey, we don't want any bad news." And so right, any more bad news? Yeah, after Akers yeah. down and Henderson hurts his thumb today, but you know, it's just one of those things that these coaches are being extra cautious, and we as fancy players have to we have to make guesses. And you know, I think mm-hmm. also Ryan, I want to get your feedback. You and Reese, I think the length of the season will mean that teams could they do load management like the nba mm-hmm. could they do things that we as fancy players maybe get irritated about you know i mean if you're the chiefs and you play the raiders at home do you really need to start all your players for the whole game maybe not you know what i mean like yeah there it seems like there's so many uncertainties right now from from a fantasy perspective or when, when thinking about the schedule, because yeah, we've got 17 games now. Um, and, and they're already talking about moving that to 18. We'll, we'll yeah. see how long that takes to, to go into effect, you know, probably a couple more years before we've got 18 regular season games. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of uh, just, just uncertainty. Like I said, about what happens, especially at the end of the season, because we've always, we've kind of grown to understand and know that week 17, we don't want 
we don't want meaningful fantasy games in week 17. Uh, you know, the, the best teams have locked up their playoff position. They're probably not playing their starters. Uh, even teams that have maybe uh, are maybe locked out of the playoffs, maybe they're resting players, you know, for, for draft position or whatever, whatever uh, might be the reason for that. So now is, is that just going to be week 18 this year? Uh, or is that going to be week 17 and 18, you know, as a, as a commissioner of fantasy leagues, it's, it's a little bit of a tough decision. Like when do we play these title games? Uh, because we just, we just don't know. And really it's, it's going to be a wait and see situation. What do you think, Reese? Well, for your example on the chiefs and Raiders, there's a decent chance they're not playing the entire game anyway, even if it was last season. Yeah. yeah, as a Broncos fan, they do that to us a lot. <laughs> but, but I just meant, though, in general, you know, there's a lot of teams that that's going to happen to. I do think, uh, Ryan, when they expand before they go to 18 games, I expect them to add one more bye week so that they've already stretched right. it to the, the NFL teams adding a yeah. bye week. But, but Reese, do you think, like, let's say your Broncos, are they going to load manage? some of their defensive stars, you know, during the so long season and Chubb and Von Miller have been dinged up a little bit, you know, and do they try to prolong them? Cause they, Hey, we've got to save them for a stretch run down the, down the, you know, the end of the season. That could also, that could, uh, that could uh, happen only if we are losing a lot of games or we're winning a lot of games. If we're still going, Four and four. I don't think we're resting starters at all, especially in our division. That's fair. Yeah, it's a tough division. So. Well, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, when you talk load management from an NBA perspective, you know, you're talking about LeBron and, and KD and, and the the top stars just sitting out entire games. You know, over that 82 game stretch, you've got back to back road games, something like that. They're certainly sitting out that second game. So I don't think we'll necessarily see the stars completely sit out, uh, you know, until maybe in, until that week 17 or 18. But I, I think to your point, when, when a team gets up big, it's the fourth quarter. I, I do think we could see um, coaches pulling their, their starters, or at least their, those key players, quarterback and, uh, and maybe wide receivers um, before the game's over. And, and even in the biggest blowouts, um, over the past few years, that's that's really not something we ever see. Right. And even uh, Sunday to Thursday, which I think should be what sets up the next week's bye, I think they should figure that I could see if you have a Sunday game that's kind of a chump game and then you have a big game mm-hmm. on Thursday night, teams messing around with that a little bit. Just yeah, yeah. I think they're they're going to have to, really. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, this is just a thought whatever the injury percentage is, X percent, now we're adding one sixteenth of a game. So 7%, 6 point something percent, 7% to that, that risk index. And, you know, people could say what they want, but I think you play more football, you have a higher chance of getting hurt. And so, sure. you know what I'm saying, where those would be preseason games that they wouldn't play. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we, we've, uh, you know, we've tried to focus so much on the the positive that we're going to have more thousand yard uh, rushers or receivers or records are going to be broken because these players are, are playing more games. But uh, yeah, the, the injuries and um, 
potentially sitting out as we've been talking about those are um those are things we should probably be talking about and considering even more yeah i just meant you have an early bye some of those teams have like week four week five bye week and then they they have to play 12 straight weeks or whatever i mean that's rough yeah yeah and you mentioned katie and lebron sitting out for entire games and basketball's not as physical of a sport and does not take as much toll on your body and that's why you see nba players playing so long don't get mad at me tom brady but <laughs> uh, but you could also see people's careers not being as long because of the short uh elongated season yeah and but you could see you mentioned brady i mean do you think he's gonna play all of that second falcons game whatever week that is i mean or are they just gonna bring in good old blaine gabbert hand it off to fournette you know i just i don't know i just I just think we're going to see more Gabbard and us in the fantasy world have to be able to compensate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess what we do have with this NBA comparison, what we do have going for us is it's still 17 games. Every game matters. You know, teams are going to make or miss the playoffs by a half a game, right? Basically. So, um, you know, you're not talking about an 82 game NBA schedule where you can, uh, you can miss miss a few, take off a few, and ultimately it doesn't matter too much. So that's that, that's the good news if we're rooting for these players to uh, play as much as they can. I hear you. I hear you. You mentioned the rookies a little bit when talking about how mm. uh, the preseason's uh, gone. Which rookie quarterback has impressed you the most? I mean, it's got to be Zach Wilson for me. Uh, I, I have not seen every preseason game. I have I have uh, at least seen bits and pieces of, of every rookie quarterback uh, or, or some clips. I've got still got some homework to do to to catch up on on full games. But my goodness, Zach Wilson was the one taking the, the you know. Take he he was just treated as kind of the leftovers, right? I mean, it was Wilson and, and Mac Jones. Those two guys were getting grouped together in, in rookie drafts where I mean Trevor Lawrence was the the clear number one. Uh then it was take your pick between Trey Lance and and um Justin Fields, although both of those guys were picked behind Zach Wilson. Uh, those both Fields and Lance are also the ones who we're not sure when they're going to start. They've got more competition where Wilson is, is basically being handed the job. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. It's it, obviously still very early, still too early, but it feels a little foolish to, to just have overlooked Zach Wilson uh, this entire offseason. I'm with you. Now, I do have a loaded question for you, Ryan. This Zach Wilson love, it wouldn't have anything to do with your admiration of Corey Davis, would it? Oh, I, you, you've got the wrong guy here. <laughs> no, I mean, Corey Davis was impressive as well uh, you know the, this weekend. Yeah, no, I've, I've been a, a Corey Davis doubter, honestly, and I, I know you know that. Um, or at least, at least recently I have been. Uh, it, it was good to see him turn it around last year, but um, you know, there's always, I think, always questions and concerns when a wide receiver moves to a new team. Is he going to be able to make that adjustment, especially when, um, I mean, we essentially didn't see, um, we didn't see Davis really have success 
until he was the wide receiver two on his team. So um, honestly, I think whether it's Elijah Moore or whoever it might be kind of becoming the top target in that offense could still be big picture, a good thing for Davis. And it could be a good old Crowder, right? I mean, who knows? Well, Crowder's another one of those guys that's all, you know, always underrated. We always forget about him. It, it looked like he wasn't even going to make that, that roster uh, earlier in the off season. So the, uh, the, the, contract new contract for him or the adjustment there keeps him with the jets and and suddenly they've got a pretty decent wide receiver core you spend a spend a day two pick on more you overpay Corey davis and now you've got a decent trio <laughs> however it falls yeah almost reminds me of the broncos who are four jets and broncos are both like four or five deep of decent receivers but not clear number ones that have emerged yet right yeah, I mean, I, I still feel, and, and I know fantasy players feel like there's more upside with the with the Broncos. Uh, I mean, definitely Sutton and Judy, uh, but even KJ Hamler, and he's had a good preseason as well. So um, I, I don't know. I almost feel like Sutton and, and Judy might be kind of a cancel out situation that they hurt each other more than help each other, but. Uh, Reese, I, I know you know that team better than I do. Maybe, maybe you've got some insight on who to target there. Target neither, because I don't trust either of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think yeah. each receiver will be court. Uh, each receiver will be quarterback dependent. I think it's you know uh, Locke has his favorite, and Teddy has his, and I think it's kind of like the Saints. You know, is it Callaway or Traquan? I think it depends on who's receipt, you know, who's that quarterback. Cause I would want no part of Trey Kwan with Taysom Hill. Yeah. I don't want the yeah. threat with Taysom Hill, but yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I mean, we had, we had a good conversation about the, the Broncos and, and the, the quarterback battle on the, on the DLF dynasty podcast recently. And uh, I mean, if you just looked to last year, of course, Teddy Bridgewater kind of gets a bad rap is just basically being an average quarterback. And um I, I get that, but I mean, he produced three guys who were top 30 uh, wide receivers last year, and now he's got uh, at least a couple of nice talents plus Noah Fant. So, but it also seems like he's behind in that quarterback race. But yeah, Reese, I mean, ultimately, I'm with you that I don't see either of those guys, um, you know, leading the Broncos to to the playoffs, honestly. And and it feels like they're in a tough spot. They've They've got some talent, talent on offense. Their defense is still pretty strong. Uh, they're going to win just enough games to get them out of the Spencer Rattler conversation or the Sam Howell conversation. And, and then it's going to be another offseason of they can't draft a top rookie. And, and, and then what? So, you know, do they overpay for a free agent? Do they make a big trade? I don't know. At some point, they've got to figure it out because Locke and, and Teddy are not the long-term answers for sure. Yeah, you saw him light up because I know the two words he's going to say. Deshaun Watson. I thought you were I mean, going to say Aaron Rodgers, but yeah. I, I knew you thought I was going to say. Oh that. yeah, so, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, but both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, here's what we know about both: they'll both be available, right? This time next year, or or you know, as early as February or March, they're both going to be available. Uh, at least we think. Watson will be what we'll to what we'll to see what happens there a wild card in, in so many ways but um you've got you've got options you know and um 
I just don't even know. I mean, I, I kind of question the leadership there in general. I think that was easy to do when it, it was completely John Elway pulling the trigger. And, and now I know he, he kind of stepped aside, but he's still there. And I, I just, who knows what, what's even happening in that front office. Yeah, I like certain, but there's no way I let fields fall past me. I mean, fields is, as, as could you imagine fields in that division with, with Herbert and Mahomes? I mean, he would be putting backsides in seats because you can always trade Teddy, right? Team like Dallas or you can get whatever you want out, Teddy or Lock. Third rounder and seven, six rounder. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's going, going to end up being one of the biggest just head scratchers of the entire offseason for me is that you basically had these two teams panic, and I would put the Carolina Panthers in there as well uh, with, with the move to get Sam Darnold. You had these two teams panic at, at the quarterback position, and I don't think either necessarily gave up a ton. I know the Broncos didn't for Teddy. Um, the, the Panthers gave up more and then, and then uh, picked up that, that option on Sam Darnold. So ultimately it'll be pretty costly, but you knew there were five first round quarterbacks. You knew they weren't all going top five. They're not all going top seven or eight. One of them's going to be there for the Broncos. One of them's going to be there for the Panthers. And, and it ended up that two of them were there. You know, you, you could have had your choice and yeah, I, I just don't get it. I think both of those teams are going to be regretting, especially letting Justin Fields go especially with all of that field to show in the past, at least against Miami, not so much against Buffalo. But still, he's still yeah. up, plenty of upside. Yes, which Broncos need at this point. <laughs> so, so we mentioned who's been doing really well, but who has surprised you and disappointed, and disappointed you? This preseason? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Gaskin earlier, and, and I think some of those are um, – some of those running backs, I mean, the, the running back dead zone, I guess, has kind of become a, a, a trendy topic this offseason, more in, in redraft leagues or best ball leagues. But those guys like Gaskin and, and Damon Harris has, has been okay, but um, not, not great in my opinion. And then you've got, you know, just other the other running back kind of in that, that same group. I mean, I guess maybe Josh Jacobs is in there now. Um, you know, running back is just so tough because you chase and chase and then it, it hits a wall at some point. And, and now you're taking guys like that over wide receiver twos or, or quarterback ones or tight end ones. And I, I think, I just think that's, that's not a great way to build a team, whether you're talking redraft or dynasty. Um, so to see guys in that range, kind of off to a slow start or struggle, um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that's a surprise. I guess I'm I'm not super surprised by it, but it's kind of frustrating at the same time. You know, one thing that I, I the guy who I think we've all overlooked, myself included, is James Robinson, because we mm. push, you know, we, but also yeah. think Carlos Hyde's a decent player and he's right. underappreciated. But when we look at that, I put this out on Twitter today, Reese, that we all are so certain of what we know right now before the first game. And half of it's going to be thrown on its ear after week one because we, yeah. it's not going to play out like we thought we knew. And it's 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 trying to discern what's signal and what's noise, you know. 
And I mean, I even think of like your Broncos. Is it Gordon or Javante? You know, I mean, like you ask people in the fantasy community and they they have strong opinions. At least I think so, Ryan. Or I do. <laughs> what's going to happen in the Texans backfield? Or why would you draft anybody in the Texans backfield? If you're, in a deep, question. if you're in a deep league, Lindsay could be your, your running back one. But even That's like, right. Higgins, like the role of Latavius or Connor versus Edmonds, or will Mike Davis be able to do yeah. it? You know, what yeah. I mean, like we have all these questions. And what always happens, Reese and Ryan, you keep me honest here. Is after week one, we look at ourselves, we're like, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. We're going to delete this tweet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Armstead was so much better than James Robinson before week one, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of tweets lately that that probably should have been deleted. But um, yeah, you're, you're right. You're totally right, Jeff, that I don't know, we, we make these decisions, we make these calls on players and and really we have to. Right. I mean, if you're drafting, you've got to make these calls, whether you're writing an article or doing a podcast or, or pumping it out on Twitter, you don't necessarily have to do any of those things. But no matter who you are, if you're drafting, you're making calls on players, you're making decisions, this guy versus that guy. And, um, you know, ultimately, we're going to be wrong on a lot of them, right? You just yeah. hope hope to get more right than you get wrong. Oh, yeah. But there's some situations, Reese, I'll ask you a few running backs, which ones you like best on, the, on three different teams. Okay? okay. Jets. And this is for the like, who do you want on your roster? Jets. Niners. The, does this factor in price? Sure. Trey Sermon. So you want Sermon? How about on the Jets? Who do you want? Who else available on the Jets? It's like Michael Carter, P. Ryan, and Ty Johnson. T. Y. Johnson, Ty Johnson. I'll take Michael Carter just because the other two aren't that great. Johnson. But I would not be drafting any of them, hopefully. <laughs> but how about Miami? Who do you want on Miami? I drafted Gaskin in a draft earlier tonight, so I'm going to go with him. Hopefully, I am right. <laughs> but how about you, Ryan? How do you feel on those three teams? So okay. Sorry. Right. You, Lost you, your audio for a second. You're good. Who do you want uh, running backs, Dolphins, Jets, or Niners? Factor in price. Mm, uh, are, we, are we talking just this year or, or long term? Whichever you want. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's a group. I, I think I'm leaning towards the uh, the 49ers in general because that's the that's the team, that's the offense, that's the running game I trust the most. Uh, so whether it, whether it's Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, the, of course the price on him is way down. Uh, we, we know why. Not only the the acquisition of Trey Sermon, but also just uh, just Mostert getting up there in age and and showing that he can't really stay on the field for long. So um, I, I would go with the, uh, I would go with the 49ers. I still like Sermon's price, even in, in redraft. I've, I've been surprised that, uh, that Michael Carter of the Jets has actually been going ahead of Sermon, both in redraft and dynasty. That's, that's been a big surprise for me uh, lately. Um, as far as, um, as far as, just short term or this year only, uh, you know, I'm still glad to take a chance on Mostert if he falls far enough. And then the other end of the spectrum, really long term, Elijah Mitchell is basically free and uh, 
and that he's a he's a nice guy to take a chance on too. So in general, I'm I'm taking those 49ers. Who do you want on the Dolphins? Um <laughs> none. Yeah, none. Um I mean, really, it, it's kind of become one of those teams I want the cheapest of. I've I've been worried about Gaskin uh all offseason. You know, he's not a guy I was willing to pay the price on. Uh, even in redraft leagues where he's going in the fifth or sixth round, I thought that was too high. Um, and, and now we're, of course, hearing talk about a committee and Malcolm Brown's there and they bring in uh, this this late round rookie. And, and Savon Ahmed, I think, is, is is an underrated guy to to throw a dart on in, in deep dynasty or, or in really even in deep redraft. Um, so I'm not paying the price for Gaskin, uh, even though that price is coming down a little bit lately. All right, I have one deep rookie to get your opinion on. Patterson with WFT, Jared Patterson. Yeah, I mean, just one of, one of these super producers at the college level. And, you know, you watch you watch college football. And if, if you're not, I mean, I'm not any kind of a scout, but you watch his games from college and it's clear that, oh, my goodness, this guy can, can do anything he wants. And then you, sometimes it just gets kind of lost in the shuffle as we transition to the NFL. Maybe he's not big enough. Maybe he's not fast enough. Whatever it is that, that causes a player like that to fall to the end of the draft or to, or to go undrafted altogether, which uh, I believe that was the case with Patterson. Uh, but he's, he's been impressive too. And, um, you know, I, I love Gibson there for sure, like, like pretty much everybody does at this point. Uh, but I think the depth chart is is open after him. Um, you know, I'll, McKissick was great last year. I don't know that he's he's not a guy that they're looking at as a long term option. So um, when you're talking about worth a roster spot or worth a pickup in in dynasty, yeah, absolutely, Jarrett Patterson is. Oh yeah, he's one of the fastest risers. Mm-hmm. Even the like, if I, I haven't looked in the dynasty pickup, you know, like percentage. And then probably Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, but he was drafted late. But Stevenson has some steam. Some people, I, I won't be surprised. Ryan does the, the mocks every month. I won't mm-hmm. be surprised if come September, Stevenson's drafted ahead of Sermon and ahead of Carter. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. He he is He's definitely moving, like you said. I, I think there's always that, uh, just that messiness with the, Patriots backfield you know I mean they still have a lot of bodies there they have um, a, a lot of names I mean I don't think Sony Michelle even makes the team but James White's going going to have his role and and Damon Harris is going to have his role obviously as well so um, but yeah Stevenson could definitely fit into that oh you boy <laughs> yep at least for one year right yeah so which position battles are you looking forward to getting decided in the next couple of weeks? I mean, again, you've got to focus on the quarterback position um, and not only the, the rookies that we talked about earlier. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that we just see Lance and, and field start from day one. I don't, I don't know how realistic that is at this point, but I, w- I would love to see uh, both of them in there early on. Um, and, and then the saints, I mean, uh, the saints are playing as, as we, chat here and um gosh i just just seeing what we saw from james went uh, from from Taysom hill a year ago i just hope it's not him you know i'm rooting for james winston 
for the the offense sake and um I, I, I don't know i do not have a good feel for that one at all as far as who's going to win that job um but but i'm i'm kind of afraid it might be Taysom hill yeah but you mentioned that you want field to start from day one i prefer them to start from day two just because they play the rams week one i do not want to expose especially after the hit he took Oh, against the Bills. <laughs> if that's the offensive line and they do not know to block the edge rusher, I do not want him going up against the uh, Rams defensive line. That that is a good call. That is a good call. We could wait until maybe week two on that one because <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Rams defense. I mean that that Bears offensive line. You nailed it. Just uh, I mean that the the one nasty hit he had uh, uh, he yeah. took, but there there were multiple shots he took and, and multiple times he was chased from the pocket uh just in that in that one game so yeah you're right they've they've got to answer some questions there before they they roll out these rookies four niners also have many of the same concerns about mm-hmm. uh, pass rush outside of week one who they play the lions yeah that's gonna be a heavy rush game like i don't I, I wouldn't start Garoppolo even if he started fancy wise, Ryan. I mean, I just think no. it's going to be Sermon and Mostert, you know, and they get Jeff Wilson back mid season. I just think Shanahan's just going to bludgeon them with a butter knife kind of mentality. Yeah, I think that's what they want to do. And, and I mean, we've seen it work in the past. It didn't work last year. Everybody got hurt. Everybody had COVID on that roster. I mean, they, uh, we, we, we remember that week where they were, they lost multiple wide receivers and, and didn't didn't get any help from the from the league um, with, with, when it came to scheduling. So, yeah, just just one of those teams. The Chargers are another that always seem to have some some tough injury um, luck, I guess you could say. So, um, but if that turns around, I'm, this team goes from uh, one of the worst teams in the league or a team with one of the worst records in the league last year to. Uh, to a playoff contender once again. So how many games does Cam Newton start to begin the season? And how many games before golf gets hurt? <laughs> yeah, golf is golf. Who knows? Uh, I, I can't believe they. I think they picked up his contract as well. I believe that was the case. Uh, I was, I was surprised on that one. Um, in fact, I thought that they could try to flip golf even after they traded for him, uh, the Lions could. So, um, yeah, golf golf is just a wild card, but I, I, that team is playing for 2022, if if not later. Uh, the Cam one is interesting. He, he's another guy that's had a good preseason somehow, a good training camp. Uh, but I just think about last year, and, and I know there were no weapons there. I know he, he basically had nothing to throw to, but – he still pretty much has nothing to throw to. I, I know they brought in the two tight ends and um, and signed uh, a couple of veteran receivers, but no true difference makers in my opinion. And, and we saw him, you know, he lost the job to Jarrett Stidham multiple times. And, and now you've got Mac Jones back there. I, I think it's just basically whenever they decide Mac Jones is ready is when we see him. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure of their schedule as far as if they have a, uh, an early buy, you know, of course, teams always like to do that. They like to, to bring in the rookie after the buy, give them that extra week. Uh, so I'm not sure if that makes sense schedule wise for them or how that'll work out, but, 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if we see Mac after five or six weeks. You mentioned flipping Goff for more. I could have seen them after acquiring their two first round picks, mm-hmm. flipping Goff for another one or two, and then taking Fields, which honestly would have might might have been the smarter move. That's a good thought. Yeah, yeah. Not only, like I said, not only did they not trade him, which you know it's hard to say how if they even had that opportunity. He still has still has a pretty hefty contract and and was was not a, not necessarily a hot asset on the trade market. Um, but that was that's another team that I thought should have gone with a quarterback um, early in the draft, and, and and they just they went another direction. I believe it was Nick Whalen who uh, came up with a really like pretty genius concept. What that was to draft quarterbacks like in the first two or three rounds every single year, or not every single year, but every couple years, mm-hmm. like teams do with running backs, and just cycle through until you find one that works. Right, because it's coming to a point where the quarterback contracts cost a quarter of the roughly a quarter of the salary cap, and you get stuck. Whereas if you hit on a second round quarterback or like the Cowboys on a fourth round quarterback, you hit or, you know, what was it? Third round for Russ Wilson. Right. You're hitting big for four years. Yeah. You're hitting, you're making a lot of money. All right. I have one question is before we close for both of you guys, I'll kick it to Reese first, Ryan. We'll give you a chance to think about it. how many games does a healthy Fitzpatrick get before he's pulled for a Heineke? I'm going to go with 17. Ryan Fitzpatrick's always, I say always, he's usually been able to perform well. Yeah. And for the WFT, who wants to be able to uh, compete for a playoff spot because their division is so weak, depending on your view of the Cowboys. But personally, I like a team that plays defense get playoffs. Uh, but I could see Fitzpatrick starting all 17, and I could start, see him starting for only four, depending on how bad or good he plays. How about you, Ryan? I, I'm I'm leaning 17 as well. I think he gets the full season. He does seem like uh, just kind of the history of his career. He's gotten a few shots like this where he was viewed and 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 basically uh, had earned the starting job. And those are the times he's disappointed. You know, yes. when he's when he's been the backup, when he's just kind of been the forgotten guy and come in to take over for Tua or for Jameis or for whoever it might have been. That's when he's kind of thrived yes. in that backup role. So. Uh, that's kind of in the back of my mind, but that also feels like, uh, you know, maybe just, just a narrative that doesn't really mean anything. Um, I do like, I like the weapons. Of course, they've, they've added some, uh, some pass catchers there in Washington and in Curtis Samuel and, um, and Diami Brown and a couple others. Uh, we saw, we saw breakouts from Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson last year. JD McKissick easily had his, his best year. So, um, and to Reese's point, the defense is one of the best in, in the entire league. So I think this is the best team in the NFC East as well. And I think I think he plays the full season, uh, barring an injury. But you mentioned you mentioned the point of weapons. Terry McLaurin's arguably one of the best receivers Fitzpatrick's had in his career, if not named Mike Evans or Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I did. Uh, a little study a while ago it's been uh, maybe a couple years ago but basically I was just noticing I think it was during his time with uh with Tampa Bay that Mike Evans and um 
I can't even remember if Godwin was there. I think Godwin was there at that point, but um, their receivers performed better with, with Fitzpatrick than they did with Jameis at that point. And I, I just looked at some of the key receivers that Winston, I'm sorry, that Fitzpatrick had played with over the years. And of course he's, he's bounced around with, with so many teams. Um, but I, every single receiver had a higher um, fantasy point average with Fitzpatrick than they had without him. Uh, so if you look, if you look at the split that way, I mean, we're talking about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Devonte Parker, um, Brandon Marshall with the jets, uh, the, the Rams. I think he was with the Rams. We're, we're going way back, um, to, to those guys. So, but, but basically every single key receiver averaged more fantasy points per game with Fitzpatrick than they did with, with any other quarterback throughout their career. That's crazy. So as we wrap up, I don't know if you guys got the alerts yet. Adam Trotman got carried off. And Mm -hmm. so, I'm going to throw out Jawan Johnson. I think that's his name. Yep. Second year converted wide receiver. Did you just take Trotman in a fantasy league? Is that your look? No, that's how I looked. I was high on him this year. I, I was too. <laughs> but all I meant. You were not alone. Jawan Johnson is uh, a guy that has been getting the slow buzz down there in, uh, in New Orleans. So I throw that out to whoever's listening. You need uh, you're in deep league. You need a a, a running a, easy for me to say tight end. Yeah, that's that has upside. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of upside the Saints offense is going to have, but you know that's a different story. Well, I mean, I think we have to pay attention to anybody that's on the field there because I mean, Tracon Smith is fine, but I think he is what he is at this point. Who knows if we even see Michael Thomas on the field or not? Marquez Callaway. I mean, that's one of you know I. I don't know if I get a ton right. So when I, when I feel like I hit on one, I, I try to pat myself on the back a little bit. But uh, Marquez Galloway was a guy I've been trying to chase all offseason. We, we did the Scott Fishbowl draft back at the beginning of July. He was my, my last pick in that draft. So kind of had a gut feeling about him. He's playing well tonight and, and has had a pretty good preseason. He could be the wide receiver one. But still, it's a situation of somebody's got to catch the ball. Um, and Troutman was going to have a great opportunity. Hopefully this injury is, is not serious, but anytime they bring the card out, it's, it's definitely not good news. So, um, yeah, Jawan Johnson, you know, we were at the, uh, we talked about Canton to start the show and we were participating in the, uh, in, in the Kings classic draft, uh, actually got to draft in the hall of fame and, uh, Corey Parson, I uh, believe he is with uh, NBC Sports Edge. We're, we're getting late in the draft, and and he selects Jawan Johnson. And there were a lot of us around the room who said, who? Because this, again, this, again, was a couple weeks ago. So, like, who who is that? Who, who are you drafting there? And, um, he, you know, he he shot his shot, and it's, it's looking pretty good now because even before this Troutman injury, uh, Jeff, you're right. Johnson was kind of kind of drawing some buzz. Maybe he's even ahead of Troutman on the depth chart. And um, again, if this is serious, you think you you have to think uh, he certainly gets his chance. I wrote up Johnson ten days ago as a as a guy to watch in di- deep 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 dynasty leagues. Because Ryan will tell you, Reese, in our deep leagues, we're scratching at anything with a pulse and a heartbeat, hoping to hit something at times. And so uh, anyway. Are you, Ryan, are you doing your um, 
You're doing your FFA uh, bid on that? Doing your blind bids on that? Uh... I, I actually, so I'm in a free agent auction right now. And I've, I've, I've lost, uh, I stopped paying attention to you two. I'm going to get Jawan Johnson and, and see if I can get him on my roster. Uh, but I also just realized I spent all my, my money already. So that's not going to happen. But uh, I did get Marquez Calloway in that one. So I'll count it as a win again. That's all a win. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Hopefully you'll uh, end your support of brief. Hopefully you'll come back later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Always, always glad to talk to you guys. Thank you. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Tiller. <laughs>